0: The following message is from Christian Life Austin. For more information about Christian Life, visit clcaustin.com. Thank you for listening. Hey everybody, and you that's in the house. My 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 Lord, this is such a beautiful treat to me because I have been preaching to walls and seats and the and the people that were recording was back there behind that area and so it was just me and hopefully Jesus in the house and uh, he's here tonight I was telling some of the people while the music was going on and they did such a great job tonight but I was telling when I came here 30 years ago there's a little a-frame building here and of course we built that building came over and tore this one down and built the children's building now we're building a beautiful new auditorium and I, wish you could, I wish we could go over and see it tonight after this is over, but we can't because it's so muddy out front. But the first Sunday that I was here, 1990, we had 22 people in this building, in this house right here. And there's over 30 here tonight. Now, let me tell you why they're here. They didn't get a gold ticket. They didn't get a free pass. But we have internships going on, and we have a ladies' meeting going on for the GLOW uh, conference that's going to happen this month. and. There's a lot of meetings going on, a lot of things happening. This church has been doing a lot of planning during this pandemic, during this COVID time, and we're trying to take care of you. We're trying to plan in the distance because we're going to get back together. Wasn't Sunday an awesome day. Wasn't Sunday just an awesome day. Our largest crowd ever since we have come back from COVID, and we just had three great services, and Pastor Brad just kind of teed it up, Jesus teed it up, and he just knocked it out of the park. and told us a beautiful story of Zacchaeus. And what a beautiful, beautiful day it was. And I was privileged to be in the overflow room, and, and I got to lift my hands with people over there. And folks came down and sat on the front row with me. And we really broke the code over there. I'm sorry, to, don't tell Austin, but we broke the code over there. We broke the space between people. We had a full house, and there was folks standing. So what a joy to see people with a heart that wants to come back to the house of God. Before I minister tonight, want I want to pray for you in the home that that need healing need need help need prayer uh, I know it's a it's been a tough time it's been a tough six months it really has hey it's been tough on the staff we get to work here every day and I know it's been difficult for you and I'm not going to ask you to touch any screen or anything or touch a television or touch a radio dial or anything or but I think it would be good if you'd join hands in the in the room that you're in wherever you are with the watch party or with just your family, husband, wife, children, I'd like you to join hands. And I want to bless you tonight before I preach the gospel. I want to bless you in the name of the Lord. And you that's in the building, I want you to receive this also. Dear Father, in the name of the Lord, I bless the congregation that's watching via online, and I bless the people that have come to worship with us here in this auditorium here on Wednesday night. God, let your favor flow. Let your grace abound. Let your face shine upon these people. Let them realize, God, that you're as close as the mention of your name. And that name is Jesus. And we honor you here tonight. God, send healing into our homes. Send family love into our homes. Send peace into our homes. And our children going back to school and and online school, God, bless our kids. Bless our children tomorrow as they get up and face another day of online school. God, get us back to normal. Bring us back to normal. Bring us back to the way that we love it and we want it because we want to be in your house and we want to be in your presence. God, let your presence filter in our home tonight and walk with us as we hear the word of the Lord and bless us in Jesus' name. And everybody said amen. amen. I love you very much. Thank you, Pastor Randy. Why don't you give Pastor Randy a great hand from your house and from this auditorium. Give him a great hand. David said this one time. He said, One thing have I desired of the Lord, and that will I seek after, that I may dwell in the house of the Lord all the days of my life, to behold the beauty of the Lord and to inquire in His sanctuary. He also said one time, I was glad when they said unto me, Let us go to the house of the Lord. We used to have an assistant pastor here that every time he got up behind this pulpit, that was his scripture reference. He's a pastor now doing well in Houston, Texas. But he used to quote that. I was glad when they said unto him, and he had this old bass voice, and he would just growl and throw it out there. And everybody got excited because he loved being in the house of God. David loved being in the house of God. In fact, he said seven times a day, well, I praise him. And I don't think that David probably wanted to praise Him outside the house. I think David said it's praise time. I'm going to the house of the Lord. There's something about God's house that is just absolutely over and above anything else in this world. God's house. It's my happy place. Sister Debbie Howard is our receptionist and she calls this house her happy place. It ought to be our happy place. There's no place like the house of God. Can I get an amen? No place like it. So tonight for just a little while I'm going to speak on the splendor of church. I'm going to speak on the splendor of church. Everybody say this is a fantastic place. The house of God. In 1 Kings chapter 10 there's a story that says this and when the queen of Sheba had seen all of Solomon's wisdom and the house that he had built and the meat of his table, this food and the setting of his servants And the attendance of his ministers and their apparel and his cupbearers, and how he ascended by which, how he ascended to the house of the Lord. There was no more spirit in her. One theologian said she flat out passed out in church, and that was before Benny Hinn's ministry. She fell out in the house of God. I love God's house. I love this story. If you haven't read it, hadn't studied it, it's Old Testament stuff, but we're going to study it tonight. And thank you for being here, and thank you for tuning in where you are. I have a question for you tonight. How valuable is one day in God's house to you? How valuable? That's a worthy question. David said in the 84th Psalm, one day in your house is greater than a thousand elsewhere. And even if I'm a doorkeeper in the house of God, the lowest form of servanthood, it's better than living in palaces and tents of wickedness. David loved the house of God. Simply put, your worst day living for God is greater than your best day living for Satan and for this world. So how valuable then is God's house to you? The story in the Bible demonstrates the worth and the lasting effects of God's house and God's presence. So in the evening on this Wednesday, coming to you live tonight, let's examine this story. The text that I read from First Kings chapter 10 talks about a queen that came from the south. She came from a long way off. How she heard about this king named Solomon one can only speculate. Jesus said that this woman came from the uttermost parts of the earth. He called her the Queen of the South. She was from a land of Sheba, the Queen of Sheba, what is thought to be better known as ancient Yemen or Ethiopia. She came because she was curious. Theologians and historians said she probably came with her camel brigade and her servants and her people that helped her probably over a thousand mile journey just to see and speak with Solomon. She had heard of the greatness of the king. She had heard of his wisdom. She had heard of his worship services. She had heard of his servants. She had heard of the powerful blessings that had befallen this son of David. And in 1 Kings chapter 10, verse 1, and when the Queen of Sheba heard of the fame of Solomon, she came to test him with hard questions. Folks, this woman was probably summa cum laude in her class. She was the queen of an empire. And she didn't come to see the architecture of the temple. Solomon's temple was 180 feet long and 90 feet wide and 50 feet high. It was massive. A little smaller than the church next door. Hallelujah. And some of the remaining foundational stones are still hard to understand how they got in their place. See, David, Solomon's father, wanted to build the house of the Lord And the Lord would not let him because he said, there's too much bloodshed in your life. So David got all the preparations. He cut all the stone and cut all the timber. And he brought it together and got it ready for Solomon. And the modern engineers cannot understand. The Bible said when they built it, there was not a sound of a hammer nor of a saw. It was laid so beautifully. It was cut properly and it fit just right. And no expenses were spared. Gold blanketed everything. 3,300 men oversaw the effort. And the expense was so great that Solomon had to pay off, watch this, the king of Hiram, he had to pay him 20 towns in Galilee because he'd run out of money in the building program. She did not come to see Solomon's palace. She didn't come to see that. and the seven years he had spent on building the house of God, And nearly twice that long building his own house. Because Solomon said, I cannot rest in a house until I build a house for the Lord. I love David's passing down to Solomon a love for the house of God. I'd like to ask the congregation sitting in this building right now, doesn't it feel good just to be in God's house right now? Come on, doesn't it feel good just to be in God's house? But she didn't come to see the house. She she came to get her questions answered. She wanted some answers to her questions. And in 1 Kings 10 verse 2 and 3 she came to Jerusalem with a very great train, with camels that bore spices and very much gold and precious stones. She didn't come empty, she came loaded. And when she had come to Solomon she communed with him about all that was in her heart. And Solomon told her all her questions. In other words, he gave her answers to everything she asked. There was not anything hidden from the king which he told her not. I'm going to speak three basic points here tonight, just a simple sermon, but three, three beautiful points that I want to talk about the splendor of God's house. See, God's house, number one, is where we get our questions answered. If you got a question you need to come to the house of God. You'll get your questions answered there. If you come with a question mark in your brain here tonight, I promise you when you leave, you'll have an exclamation point. Because God turns question marks into exclamation points of excitement. And Solomon, when building the temple, placed two massive columns at the entrance of God's house one he called Boaz, and the other he called Jacob. Boaz and Jacob. Boaz, the pillar meant in God is strength. And Jakin meant in God is direction. So when you walked into the house of the Lord, there was strength there and there was direction there. And so the house of God is a place to get direction, but also give you strength to walk in the direction that you've learned in the house of God. So I believe tonight with everything that's in me that God still has a pillar of strength and a pillar of direction in the house of God. Take people away from God's house and they lose their Boaz. They lose their strength. And they lose their Jacob. They lose their direction. I love the house of God because it gives me my direction and my strength. See, when you're away from God's house, One week W-E-E-K away from God's house makes one week W-E-A-K. I know that's simple, but it's true. And some of us have been away for a long time and you're missing it. And I'm trying to bring God's house to you. Sunday morning I was outside and the Hispanic men that were working on the building next door, I assumed that they were Catholic. I just assumed it. So I went to my office and I got a bottle of oil. And I went out there and I called them down from their lifts and I said, come down here. I want to bless you. They couldn't understand English, but one of them said, El Pastor wants to bless us. He wants to bless us. And when they came down, I looked at them and I said, I thank you for working today to help us in our building program here, but since you can't go to Mass, I'm going to bring Mass to you. And I anointed every one of them on their head and I prayed for them. And they were so grateful. Thank you, thank you, thank you. I just believe that God's house is a place where people get something from him that takes away the muddy uncertainty and the confusion of life and the belief systems that are vague and foggy. Some eric beliefs might be harmless enough, but eventually all thoughts away from God grow dangerous. They really do. That's why we got to get back in God's house because when you walk in here, your questions get answered when you come into the presence of the Lord. I believe that with all my heart. What do baby boomers, my age group, what do they expect from church? And according to a study done by Dr. James Dobson and focus on the family, they expect eight things when they come to church. They expect good preaching <laughs> They expect good worship, they expect good fellowship, they expect good facilities. We're, we're building that. They expect good food. My Lord, they expect good child care. They expect good parking. We're going to get there. They expect good restrooms. We got that. These are all good. But that is not why I come to church. I don't come to church for that reason. I come to church to get my questions answered. I come to the house of God to get a, get a blessing and get a touch on what I've got bothering me in my mind and in my heart. Because this is the battleground and when you walk in here and you renew your mind in the spirit of God, you walk out saying I can do this thing called life. I can walk through life. I can have a great life because God has given me answers in his house today. One more time clap your hands <laughs> and praise him. I'm like the leper. I'm like the leper that said, "I know you can, but will you?" He had a question. And God said, "I will be healed." And I know what Philip felt like when Jesus was going to feed the 5,000 men plus women and children. He said, give them something to eat. And Philip said, Lord, we don't have enough bread. We just have about 200 pennyworth. Well, that wouldn't be enough to buy. What's this among so many? He had a question, and Jesus said, set the men down and I'll feed them. See, what we need to understand is whatever question we have when we walk in this house, God is able to turn it around. Jesus could go, could not go into the synagogue He couldn't go because he was of the wrong tribe, but he lifted the burdens at the door of people at the house of God. He was not the right tribe. And I sympathize with people that can't accept the fact that they need the house of God. Let me just go on record and tell you right now, there's not a greater place in all the world on Sunday morning. There's not a greater place in all the world on Wednesday night than the house of God. There's not a greater place in all the world. Somebody needs to understand that when Jesus is in the house, all things are possible in your life. You get your questions answered. I sympathize with King Belshazzar when he petitioned Daniel. In Daniel chapter 5, he said, I heard that the spirit of the gods is in you, and that you have insight and intelligence and outstanding wisdom. And the wise men and enchanters Were brought before me to read this writing and tell me what it means, but they could not explain it. Now, I have heard that you are able to give interpretations and to solve difficult problems. If you can read this writing and tell me what it means, what's this? You'll be clothed in purple, you'll have a gold chain placed around your neck, you'll look like Mr. T, and you'll be made third highest ruler in the kingdom. And Daniel answered and said, can keep your gifts to yourself and give your rewards to somebody else. Nevertheless, I will read the writing for the king and tell him what it means. I don't want your gold. I don't want your rewards. I'm just going to help you with your questions. And God will help us help you with your questions. And Daniel told him. But Belshazzar, I want to tell you something. It was not the spirit of the gods that worked. Queen of Sheba, it was not King Solomon that answered your questions. It was the God of Daniel, Mr. Belshazzar, and it was the God of Solomon, Queen of of Sheba. God empowered Daniel with tremendous insight. He saw what others could not see because God gave him the vision to see. And I do believe in this last hour that there's going to be preaching points around this world and around America where pastors are going to stand in the gap and make up the hedge and declare the salvation of the Lord. And I do believe, I'm just going to say it again, I do believe there will be a revival in the last days. There's going to be a Spirit of God poured out on all flesh. We're not going out with COVID. We're not going out with a pandemic. We're going out with glory. The church will have revival in the last days. And likewise, God appeared to Solomon by night and asked, what shall I give you? And Solomon asked for divine wisdom. A giving, God gave him his request. Today, must we look for Daniel or Solomon? Must we find a gifted divine or seer? No, we have something better than Daniel. We have something better than Solomon. Matthew chapter 12, Jesus said, The queen of the south shall rise up in judgment with this generation and shall condemn it. For she came to hear the wisdom of Solomon. And behold, a greater than Solomon is here. Can I declare to this congregation tonight in your home that I'm not preaching about Daniel and Belshazzar. I'm not preaching about Solomon and the Queen of Sheba right now. I'm preaching about Jesus and Austin, Texas. I'm preaching about a Savior. Somebody help me preach right now. There is nothing that my Jesus can't do there's nothing that he can't accomplish. When you turn Jesus loose, you turn the mighty God in Christ loose. And he's the healer of all diseases. He's the savior of all sins. He's a forgiver. He's a deliverer. He helps. He heals. He compels. He touches. He blesses. Nothing like the presence of God in the house of God. Solomon, we love you. Daniel, you're awesome, but there's a greater A greater than Solomon is here. I love that phrase, Jesus Christ is within this house. You know one day Jesus did show up at a little synagogue and he saw a man standing over there with a withered hand. He was hiding it behind his waist probably. And he said, get in the middle of the room and stretch forth your hand. That man had come to church forever and never got his healing. But when you get Jesus, a greater than Solomon in the house of God, this place becomes a healing station. This place becomes a delivering station. It becomes an inhabit station. It, it inhabits your heart. It inhabits you, it grows on you. It makes you greater in the kingdom of God because there's nothing like Jesus factor in the house of God. That's the splendor of God's house is the presence of God in the house. Amen. Amen. He's here to meet every one of your needs. First King chapter 10, verse 4 and 5. When the Queen of Sheba had seen all the wisdom of Solomon, in the house, the palace which he had built, the food on his table, the seating of his servants, the attendants of his waiters, and their attire, the cupbearers, his stairway by which he went up to the house of the Lord. She was breathless and awed by the wonder of it all." The KJV said there was no more spirit in her. One other translation says she passed out. She just simply went out. She just fell out. The Amplified Version simply said she was breathless. God's house took her breath away. I, I, I want to say this, and I don't, I don't want to say it hard, but church ought to be a place where people lose all inhibitions and their breath gets taken away by the presence of Almighty God. There still is a place for God's presence in the house. The word I want to use is wonder. Wonder. I think the house of God still needs W-O-N-D-E-R, wonder. God's house should still amaze us. It should stupefy us. It should bedazzle us. It should bring back the lost wonder, the glow of life. I call it the fizz. We need the fizz, the fizz. And you know what? This pandemic has taken away some of our fizz. The worst thing you can ever do is open a Coke and there's no fizz. That's the worst thing you can do. And the worst thing you can do is walk in a church where there's no fizz. We need fizz in this house. We need to bring the fizz back. We need to bring the joy of the Lord back. We need to come on back and say, I'm going to get my fizz back, my sparkle back. You know, I saw that last Sunday. I saw something last Sunday I hadn't seen since the pandemic started. I saw people said, ah, good to see you. Hook COVID, I'm going to hug you. Shame on COVID, I'm going to hug you. And I watched it and I wanted to say, you might not do that, but why? Why? I don't think when Jesus' presence is in the house that COVID's going to attack. I just think COVID says, I think I'm going to stand over here and let you all just get that done. Because Jesus' presence brings the wonder back to the house of God. Everything in Solomon's temple was covered with gold. That was wonder. Everything from floor to ceiling to furnishing, all covered with gold. Not just any gold, but pure and shimmering gold. The church should bring back the sparkle of the gold of Solomon's house. It ought to be what Solomon's house was in the spirit realm. It ought to be a golden place, a place where people say, Wow, wow, I was glad I went to church today. You know, I've often said, (laughs) I've often said this, and I used to say it more than I say it now, but I've I've often preached this that. You know, it's it's an amazing thing. You ask somebody, have you ever been to this kind of church or that kind of church, that kind of church? And many of them will say, you know, I don't think I have, I don't think I have, I don't think I have, I don't believe I have. No, 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 I haven't, I haven't. You ask them, you ever been to a spirit-filled church where the spirit moves? And they're gonna either tell you yes or no. Because if you ever walk into a spirit-filled church where the spirit of God moves and the wonder is there, they'll say, You know what, I've been there. I've been to that kind of church. And I want that to happen again at Christian Life Austin. I want the glow, I want the wonder of the presence of God to be in this place. Church is not a place of indifference. Church is not a place where when the bell rings we run out of here. But being in God's presence moves us to either laughing or weeping or standing, rejoicing, or mourning, or clapping our hands, or opening our mouth, and shouting unto the Lord, or smiling, or wiping our tears of joy. It brings something out of us. There's simply no in-between. We need the wonder of God in church. I believe that with all my heart. Matthew 11, Jesus said, What shall I like in this generation? It's like children sitting in the markets, calling unto their fellows and saying, We have piped unto you, and you have not danced. We have mourned unto you and you have not lamented. In other words, there's no, there's no movement in you. You're just not moving. You're not, you're not thrilled at the presence of God. And I believe with all my heart that this church, when this COVID hit, was one of the greatest places to feel the presence of God. One of the greatest places in Austin to feel it on a Wednesday night, on a Sunday morning. And I want to remain that church. I want to remain the house of splendor I want God's presence to be here. Being in God's presence should move you in one direction or another. Either you're moved to rejoicing, you're moved to hand clapping, you're moved to stand to your feet and rejoice, but church should move you. I come to church to be moved from one station to the next. Do you come to have your wonder restored? I do. Every time I walk in here, and I've been doing this a long time, I went to a church that had seven people when I was a kid. went to a church that had 20 people when I was a kid. went to a church that had three one Sunday. My brother was sick, just mom and dad and I went to church. I went to a church that had 30 in, in church. I preached my first sermon that had 30 people that night. I've been in churches that had 200, been in churches with 300, pastored a church that had over 1,000 people. And I pastor a wonderful church now. But every church I've been in, there's always been something I used to sit under a pastor that had a guitar that didn't even have enough strings on it when I was a kid, but he played with all of his heart and he sang with tears running down his face. And as a little boy, I was moved because there's something about the wonder of the house of God. We should never get away from the wonder. Where else can you enter one way and leave another way except the house of God? Where else can you enter lame and exit walking except in the presence of God? Where else can you come in sightless and leave insightful? Where else does the cold become hot, the discouraged become encouraged? And where else can you be told the truth and love it down in your soul. And where else can you discover your flaws and rejoice that they're covered by the grace of God? I'm excited about the house of God. I'm excited about the splendor of the house. The church is a wondrous place. My, my, my. The Queen of Sheba is a lot like us. We approach God's house sometimes with preconceived notions, you know. Yet she said it was better than I had imagined. Hear her testimony. She said to the king, I love this. It was a true report that I heard in mine own land of thine acts and of your wisdom. However, I believed not the words until I came and mine eyes had seen it, and behold, the half was not told me. <laughs> your wisdom and prosperity exceeded the fame which I heard. Happy are your men, and happy are your servants who stand continually before you, who hear your wisdom. You know, one thing that impressed the queen was Solomon's wisdom. The other thing that impressed her was the joy. Of the people in the house. Can I compliment this congregation? I have never pastored a happier church. I'm so happy because you're happy. I feel like a happy pappy. I'm so happy because you're happy. You come to church happy. I don't remember the last time I saw a grump come in the house of God here. We've got happy people, and I love happy people. Do you think that there are people right now who have heard about this church? because of our music, because of our joy, because of the presence of God, I say yes. I believe yes. There's people that are waiting right now for this to be over because they want to find a place where Jesus is, where happy people are, and where joy reigns and His presence is there. Amen? I just believe that. And when they arrive here, I prayerfully hope they will find something more powerful than just good church in this world. Just the eight things that bring good church. More than just a good parking lot, more than just good restrooms and good worship. I hope they find wonder. I hope they find wonder. I pray they find abundant joy. Church needs to show Jesus to the world. Say amen to that. I'm not far from finishing. And to this world, God has given a sparkling church. It's a church filled with faith, it's a church filled with hope and love and power. It's a place where the drab coat of gray is flaked away. And the resplendent glory of God's printed, God's painted again over every aspect of their lives. One more thing about the splendor of God's house in our passage. My favorite thing is this next text. And King Solomon gave to the Queen of Sheba all her desire. Do you believe there is a greater than Solomon here that gives you all your desire? Come on, say amen. Amen. Whatsoever she asked besides that which Solomon gave her of his, say, royal bounty, she turned and went to her own country. My third point is simply this. Not only, not only does God answer our questions. Not only does He restore our wonder, but God's house is where you leave with more than what you came with. You might have come in with a few gifts, but you leave with your wagons loaded. And you can't wait to get back. Hear me tonight. God's house is where you get more than what you bargained for. The queen of Sheba came to give Solomon something, but she returned with more than what she imagined. You know, I read this incident in 1 Kings, the account of this same incident is in 2 Chronicles. It states it even more emphatically than Kings does. Regardless of the fine gifts that Sheba brought, Solomon gave her far more in return. The Bible said he gave her of the royal bounty. Now let me let me talk to you just a minute then I'm going to close. Let me tell you about the royal bounty. The royal bounty was reserved for special people. It was a special gift. It was something that was reserved. It was not on the menu. It was that special sauce. I call it that extra. Louisiana calls it lagniappe, the extra. They give you a little extra. But it was something that Solomon had tucked away. It was gift, a gift beyond compare, a gift beyond mention. I believe we can compare it to the Holy Spirit coming into our lives. I believe we could compare it to a divine healing in our lives. I believe we could compare it to deliverance in our lives. How many of you have been delivered in the house of God? Come on. How many of you have been healed in the house of God? You know what that is? How many have been received the Holy Spirit in the house of God? Come on. You know what that is? That's the royal bounty. Oh, He'll answer your questions. He'll tell you all you need to know. But there's more than that. There's healing. There's deliverance. There's salvation. It's called the royal bounty. And she went home. It happens every time you come to the house of God. Each time you step in His presence, He loads your wagons down with bountiful blessings. You know, I've had pastors ask me what to do about people in their churches who seemingly can't find their place in the church. And I always ask them when they call and I'm not the know it all. I don't, I don't have it all, all together, but I ask them are they givers? Do they give? Are they faithful? Do they give their time and talent? Do they give of themselves to the house of God? Are they just consumers? Are they worshipers? Do they contribute? Do they give of their, of their givings, of their tithe? If that pastor says they do not give of themselves for the kingdom, I'm reminded of the Queen of Sheba. Who did not even know the God of Israel, didn't know him. Yet she brought a gift to give to one of his servants and got the breath knocked out of her. She went out. She came with her arms full of gifts and she left with a wagon loaded. Listen, when you walk in church, when this pandemic is over and even during it, walk in giving something to him, walk in worshiping, walk in giving walk in sharing. If there's anything you can help the church with, help the church with it. We, we're running low of people during this pandemic. We need everybody, all hands on deck. And when we get the new church going, we're going to need really all hands on deck. We need people that say, Pastor, whatever you have me to do, I'll do it. Whatever you want me to do, I'll do it. I want to be a part of what we're doing here because when you unload your hands, God will fill your wagons up with His goodness and His glory. I believe that with all my heart. It's interesting. Here's a beautiful side note, and I close. Randy, if you'll help me. I want to close with this. It's interesting. In the last 15 years, in the last 15 years, archaeologists in Africa claim to have discovered a legendary civilization of Sheba. And within the heart of the city where they believe that the Queen of Sheba lived is the ruins of a house of worship. The University of Calgary reports that it has an outer court, it has an inner court, and it has a holy of holies. Wow, wow, wow. The Queen of Sheba got more than she bargained for. Not only did she leave with riches, she was apparently so impressed with the worship that she decided to take the plans home with her and built her own house of worship in her land. You know, it's good to find God's house, folks, but it's better to find the God of the house. She found the God of the house, and that spirit made her breathless. It took her breath away. So how, lasting, how, la- how long lasting is God's house? A thousand years later in Acts chapter 8, we find a servant to an Ethiopian queen in a desert, reading Isaiah, returning from a pilgrimage to God's house. Perhaps Sheba's initial visit sparked the visit of other people. That is the lasting effect of one visit to the house of splendor, the house of God. Jesus said that the Queen of the South would rise up in judgment in the last day and condemn those who take God's presence for granted. She came from the uttermost parts of the earth. She brought an offering. She asked her questions. She had her eyes open, and she returned with more than she came with. Her testimony, that place, took my breath away. I lost my breath. I passed out. I was lost in the spirit in that place. Listen to me. In our sophisticated world, in a world that might say, "Wow, what kind of preaching is that, Pastor Rex?" I'll tell you what—it's it's, it's Holy Ghost preaching. A church needs to be a heart changer. A church needs to be a soul savior. A church needs to be a place where people can get their questions answered and get the wonder restored and leave with more than they ever came with. That's a true church. And we'll have withered things in our life, hands and arms and limbs, until we get Jesus in the house. Because it's one thing to be in the house. It's another thing to have Jesus in the house. I want Jesus in our house. I want the greater than Solomon here. Years ago, I, when I lost my wife and my boy on a Friday, I I I told my dad, everybody was at the house, and I told my dad, I said, Dad, I, I want to go to church. It was Saturday morning. I said, I want to go to church. He said, I'm going with you. I said, No, Dad, I don't want you to go with me. I want to go by myself. I want to go to church by myself. And I went to the church that I had pastored for. A little over five years at that time. And I went to the altar. We had, we had old wooden benches, old altars. And I went and knelt down at that altar. And I prayed. And I'm not going to get emotional telling this tonight because it was one of, one of the most wonderful things. I was there by myself on a Saturday, kneeling at that altar, praying to God. I said, God, I, I, need, I need some help. And I believe He spoke to me I don't know if I've ever heard the audible voice of God, but I believe he spoke to me like I'm speaking to you tonight. He said, I will be with you, and I will walk with you. I will be with you, and I'll walk with you. You know what? I got up. I wiped my eyes. I walked out of that building. And even though we just had a memorial service that Sunday, the next day, and the burial on a Monday, The next Sunday I was in the house of God and the next Sunday I was preaching the gospel because when I heard him say, I will be with you and I'll walk with you, I got my questions answered and I got my wonder. I knew that he wasn't going to leave me. He wasn't going to forsake me. A few weeks later, our church custodian was there. She walked in the church and there was a man standing down by the altar. He had got in the church without a key and for a moment she was frightened, Then he called her by name. I wrote this in my book. He called her by name, and he said, tell Rex that God is going to be with him, and I'm going to walk beside him. The same thing that God told me on a Saturday, God shared with her, she came and told me. That's why it's in the book, because God answered my questions and restored my wonder when I was in the grief of my life he's that kind of God he's that kind of God he's that kind of God you get your answers in the house of God you get your wonder restored here and you always leave with more than what you came with would you stand to your feet you're awesome people and I love you very very much and I thank God for you Thank you recorders, thank you people in the AVL area. Thank you so much, thank you musicians. Thank you, this is a, this is a new thing here. We're gonna, we're gonna start working our way back into some Wednesday nights. And I love preaching to you folks, thank you. You made it so much easier. I don't know if I did well or not, but I felt good. I felt all right tonight. I want you to raise your hands in your home and in this house and say, Jesus, I love the church. I love the splendor of the house of God. I love that I can get my questions answered here. I love that I can have my wonder restored here. And I love the fact that I always leave with more than what I brought. I thank you for that, Lord. I thank you for that. Now, let's praise him and let's love him with all of our hearts just for a moment here before we dismiss. Dear Father, I love you right now. And I thank you for your goodness and your mercy and your kindness to us. Thank you for this night. Thank you for the blessings of this night. And thank you for the joy that's in salvation and the joy that we find in the journey. Thank you for the musicians and thank you for the singers and thank you for these precious people that just said, I'm gonna go to church tonight. I'm gonna be here. I love them and I love this church in the houses tonight. Bring us back Sunday morning to have a great, great day in the presence of the Lord. For it's in Jesus' name, and everybody said amen. May his favor and grace and glory be on you. God bless. See you Sunday morning. We'll be preaching the gospel to you on Sunday. God bless. I love you. Have a great, great evening.